Hey everybody, welcome back to Commander's Vault. I'm JB. I'm Dale. And today we've got more uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms spoilers. Um, super excited, as if you've been listening to the podcast at all. Uh, I am super excited for this set. I love D&D. I've been playing it for a very long time. And we had some juicy, juicy spoilers today. Um, some, some better than others, obviously. Uh, some a little disappointing and some pretty on flavor. But uh, also, we'll, after we're done uh, talking about spoilers and things that we're looking forward to and excited about, Dale, you have drawn the winner of the giveaway. A full box of Modern Horizons 2. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll be revealing that near the end of the, uh, the, end of the episode. So just stick with us and, uh, yeah, see if you won. So... As far as what we got um, today, fuckload of shit, right? I think the they previewed the dungeon mechanic. That was the newest uh, thing uh, as far as since the last time we talked about it. Um, the dungeon mechanic, which is called, I believe the whole thing is called Venture Into the Dungeon... Uh, it works as so. So if you are not in a dungeon when Venture into the Dungeon is put on the stack, uh, you get to choose one of the three current dungeons that are available. Uh, dungeon of the Mad Mage, Lost Mine of Fandelver, and Tomb of Annihilation. Now, what that does, each dungeon has a specific amount of rooms with little arrows that you can choose your path through the dungeon and every time you trigger venture the dungeon venture into the dungeon after you have chosen a dungeon you move yourself one level further through the dungeon so it's an interesting mechanic uh, in the fact that once you are in a dungeon you cannot venture into another dungeon because that doesn't make any sense how would you how would you get into one dungeon <laughs> if uh, you know you're already in another one uh, and then we have uh, some things uh, that have been released as spoilers that change based on the amount of dungeons you've completed or they get abilities based on uh, you completing a dungeon at all. So, first up, we have Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Now, this is a seven-level dungeon. Now, it has nine rooms, but it's seven levels because you can take a branching path in two different places that do two different things. So first you have the Awning Portal, where you gain one life. The Dungeon Level, where you scry one. Then you can choose between Goblin Bazaar, which is create a treasure token, and Twisted Caverns. Target creature can't attack until your next turn. Lost Level, which is scry two. Runestone Caverns, or Muriel's Graveyard. So, Runestone Caverns is exile the top two cards of your library, you may play them. Muriel's Graveyard creates two black skeleton creature tokens. Then you go into the Deep Mines, which is Scry 3, and then Mad Wizard's Lair. Draw three cards and reveal them. You may cast one of them without paying its mana cost. So, a little long-winded. Uh, it's a lot of things, a lot of choices that you can do. But uh, at the end, you basically get to cast a spell for free, which is always good, usually. Especially getting there, you're going to be scrying and scrying and scrying through the levels of the dungeon. Alright, that's pretty pretty solid. Then we have Tomb of Annihilation, 
which is a uh, either a three or four level dungeon. So trapped entry, each player loses one life. Then you have the choice of going into Oubliette, discard a card, sacrifice an artifact, a creature, and a land. Or you can go through the Veils of Fear, which each player loses two life unless they discard a card. Now there's another section which is the same length as Oubliette. So you can either do two levels of the dungeon on one side or one uh, on the other. Then there's Sandfall Cell. Each player loses two life unless they sacrifice an artifact, a creature, or a land. And then at the very end, they get Cradle of the Death God. Create the Atropal, a legendary 4-4 black god horror creature token with death touch. Um, it's actually pretty crazy. Atropals in D&D are like corrupted god fetuses. Um, they are basically driven mad and are floating flesh horrors. Uh, in the Tomb of Annihilation, the actual adventure, there is an Atropal that you fight at the end. So that was pretty neat. So yeah, basically in the Tomb of Annihilation, if you choose to take the route that only takes you through Oubliette, it gets you to the final part of the dungeon that much faster than if you go the other way. But the results are close to, like, you pay, you have to discard a card, sack an artifact, creature, or land. But if you go the other way, it's slower, but it makes it so each player has to discard yeah. a land, and then the next one, you know, they yep. have to sacrifice stuff. So it's a, just a little bit slower for the same end payoff versus the one is you sacrifice up front to get there quicker versus making everyone pay. Correct. So I, I do like that. I, I I thought that was pretty cool. And like doesn't isn't there some crazy loop with that one too? No, no, that's the next one. Okay. My personal favorite, Lost Mine of Fandelver. Alright? This is a four level dungeon, but it has uh, probably the most choice, uh, like the most different ways that you can go through the dungeon. So there's cave entrance, which is scry one. Then you get to choose from two. Goblin Lair, which creates a 1-1 red goblin creature token, or Mine Tunnels, create a treasure token. Now, from each of these places, you have two choices. Uh, there are three rooms below it, so they both lead into one room, if you choose, or they both lead into side rooms. Uh, so, uh, like I said, three choices in this next level. There's Storeroom, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. Dark Pool, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Or Fungi Cavern. Target creature gets negative four, negative zero until your next turn. And then the last level, the Temple of Dumathine, uh, draw a card. So that one is a little more vanilla, but it is also the most easily abusable if you're a filthy CDH player like me. And you hope that they're going to print a legendary uh, green-coated uh, creature that has venture into the dungeon on ETB because guess what that unlocks a new food chain loop because if you venture into a dungeon and finish the dungeon then venture in again you can choose the same dungeon and dark pool makes it so that each opponent loses one life and you gain one life so if you can infinitely venture into the dungeon you drain the whole board and it's pretty hard to interact with 
venture into the dungeon. Because unless you have a stifling effect on the board like a torpor orb or something that stops ETBs, the only way that you can stop that loop is, like, dungeons are uninteractable. You can't destroy a dungeon that we know of so far. I will say that. Uh, you can't kick people out of dungeons. You can't bar them from entering dungeons. And you can't interact with dungeons as a game mechanic other than by stifling the ability. But if you're doing a, an infinite loop, it doesn't matter if they stifle it one time. They can't stifle the food chain because that's a mana ability. Like it's a, There's a lot of like yeah. ways that this gets around a bunch of annoying interaction. Um, yeah, that's my favorite one thus far. And I hope, please, that they print a green <laughs> ETB venture into the dungeon yeah. legendary creature. Do I think they are going to? I think it's about a 60-40. I mean, Wizards is quite known for screwing shit up and printing broken stuff. So I mean, Especially I in green. I, I Especially yeah, in green. I wouldn't be surprised if they come out with like a black-green commander that has venture into the dungeon. You so, know. So, yeah. So we have a uh, three of these dungeons, right? And then they released the things that venture into them. So right after that, we got Nadar, Selfless Paladin. Uh, he's a three-drop, two and a white, with Vigilance for 3-3. Three, three. Whenever Nadar, Selfless Paladin, enters the battlefield or attacks, venture into the dungeon. This can easily, just like I said about the food chain loop, this can be a Brago loop with the Strionic Resonators... And with Strionic Resonator triggers and Nadar. So Nadar can infinitely enter the battlefield, right? And then in doing so, you choose Lost Mine of Fandelver, kill everybody at the table. Um, just another... And I mean, it's pretty efficiently costed. For three, that's pretty... You know... One thing I just noticed, too, about those dungeons, they it looks like they have a color identity. Uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage looks like it's a black color identity. Tomb of Annihilation looks like it's a green color identity. And Lost Mine of Fandelver looks like it's a artifact, a mm. colorless. I, I mean, so I don't know if, like, that's going to be a color identity or whatnot. But, like, the border of the card, one's black, one's green, and one's, like, more of a oh, tannish okay. brown. okay, I see what you mean. So I don't know if that means, like what that means but if for some reason lost mine of fandelver is colorless and any commander deck can use it in their zone then yeah then that's gonna really open it up for being able to you know yeah be used or also restrict the other dungeons to certain colors so i don't know correct and um Sheldon has gone on record saying thus far that dungeons are legal. Um, that they were, you know, consulted on the rules committee about dungeons and if they would be allowed in Commander and, you know, they said sure. Um, but like anything, people are going to find a way to break it, obviously. And um, like Cloister Gargoyle, uh, a Three drop, two and a white for a zero four gargoyle that when it enters the battlefield, venture into the dungeon. And as long as you've completed a dungeon, it gains plus three plus zero oh and has flying. So 
I feel like there's going to be a lot of venture into the dungeon ETBs. That's why I'm at 60-40 on the, the green ETB legendary. Yeah. You know? I feel like there's definitely a way to get that done. Now, the flicker decks are already going to have two win cons in anything that says venture into the dungeon on ETB. Ready? Right? It's just that good that it's, you know... Any recurrable, um, like, Ashnod, Nim Deathmantle loops that you can do, you know, uh, anything with Venture into the Dungeon, I especially believe that those are going to get strong, stronger. Uh, but yeah, so I'm really looking forward to seeing people abuse the shit out of this, but that's because I am a spiky, trash CDH player. Uh, we also got a new Planeswalker. Um, it's a, I want to say a Halfling Bard. Uh, Eliwick Tumblestrum. You don't get names like that unless you're a fucking Halfling. Uh, mono green, so costed two, and a, two green. Four starting loyalty. It's plus one is Venture Into the Dungeon. So enter the first room or advance to the next room. It's neg two is look at the top six cards of your library. When you reveal a creature card from among them and put it into your hand, if it's legendary, you gain three life. Put the rest on the bottom in a random order. So, you know, she's looking for a party to, to go adventure in a dungeon with, so that's the number negative two. And then negative seven, you get an emblem with uh, creatures you control have trample, haste, and plus two, plus two for each differently named dungeon you've completed. So it's a neg seven. Um, I don't think at any point, unless you have speed ran the dungeons or you figured out loops, if you're going to figure out a loop to go through dungeons real fast, you can just kill them. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, you can just Lost Minds of Fandelver and kill them. Um, otherwise, you know, plus six, plus six, Trample Haste would be pretty good, but... I mean, I feel like it would just be more so, like... Give your stuff trample in haste, you know. Like, if you're running this in a deck that's not really focused about like going through dungeons, which I don't really know why you would do that, but yeah, I like if you look, it's between 15 and 14, depending on which uh, tomb of annihilation path. 15 and 14 venture into the dungeon triggers to clear all the dungeons. And if you've hit 15 or 14 triggers to do that, like, that's good, I guess. But you could have just, like, I mean, I guess if you're running stuff for flavor, then good. Yeah, like, if you're, like, building a deck that is, like, definitely, like, totally, like, only from this set. And you're running, like, every single thing that has Venture and Dungeon in it, you know? Yeah. Sure, but I don't know. I mean... I think the card's cool. Yeah. You know. And then next up, we have the next uncommon legend, uh, Trellisara, Moon Dancer. Legendary creature, Elf Cleric. 2-2. Two, two. Uh, Celestia. Whenever you gain life, put a 1-1 one, one counter on Trellisara, Moon Dancer, and scry 1. Um, pretty straightforward. You know? Yeah, scry 1, put a 1-1 one, one counter on it. Pretty good. Like, I don't know if I would ever build this as a general, but I would put this in my Sithis deck 
Yeah, that was just like, why would you not put it in that deck? You're gaining shit tons of life and just scrying to your win con. You yeah. just get to your ballista that much faster or, you know, whatever your win con is. You just get there that much quicker. Yeah, and definitely. And get a big blocker or attacker. Yep. For, yeah. I love the artwork, too, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the artwork. The artwork is, is sick. Trollosara is, uh, awesome. uh, is actually one of the members of the Silvery Moon. Uh... Which, I hope this hints that we get a legendary Lady Illustrial. That would be sick. Or her chariot, or something that, you know, an equipment maybe. That would be nuts. And I, you know, I think the flavor has been on so far. So we'll see. Uh, where the flavor is not, however, is the Tarrasque. Okay? If you're familiar with Dungeons & Dragons, the Tarrasque is a legendary baddie, right? It is less of a big bad evil guy and more of a um, force of nature. The the Tarrasque arising is world ending if not able to be stopped. Now, I could go further and further and say you know, well, 3.5's Tarrasque is way stronger than 5th edition's Tarrasque and blah 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 because there's like a bunch of memes about the Tarrasque not being able to catch a horse and if you were running away from it on horseback and shooting it with an arrow with an unlimited time span you could kill the Tarrasque because <laughs> yeah it has a really high armor class but you would hit an amount of times you know you might run out of arrows or something like that but there's there's a bunch of memes about it. Um, so, what we got for the Tarrasque is a 10-10 for 9, so 6 and 3 green, for a legendary dinosaur. When Tarrasque enters the battlefield, if it was cast, it gains haste and ward 10. If you're unfamiliar with ward because it's brand new, that means if you cannot target it unless you pay an extra 10 into whatever you're targeting it with. Um, so essentially it has Hexproof. Uh, this is to mimic the uh, spell reflection that the Tarrasque creature has in the game, uh, in D&D. And whenever it attacks, it fights target creature defending player controls. Uh, the Tarrasque is known to just straight up one-shot people. And the people that, you know, if you aren't of the appropriate level with the appropriate gear... Um, the Tarrasque is insane. The Tarrasque's stomach is the only thing that can destroy artifacts. Uh, artifact in the D&D sense meaning an extremely ancient, powerful, magical item. Uh, the Tarrasque's stomach can, you know, insta-kill people and anything that it eats. Um, yeah, but a 10-10... See, it only gets the benefit of that stuff if it's cast for 9. Now, I'm not saying that's not doable. That is not what I'm saying at all. Because, obviously, in green, 9 mana is uh, turn 4 or 5, you know, possibility. Where if you're casting it and it gains haste in War 10... Now, maybe if it was, like, uncounterable or something, that would be insane. Yeah. Because, for the simple fact, the Tarrasque is unaffected by spells in the game. Like, yeah. you, if you shoot a spell at the Tarrasque, it reflects it back at you. 
Yeah, I, I've heard, I, I posted this spoiler earlier today, and I mean, I've gotten quite a few replies on it. A lot of people are basically saying, oh man, this is, you know, not cool. And it doesn't it even have, have fucking so trample. stronger, blah, 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 you know, all these different things. Like, okay, I 100%, I like, I'm not a super, like, D&D, you know, buff or anything like that. I've played, like, two or three times in my whole life. But... In the sense of Magic the Gathering. I think that this card is actually really good. For one, it costs 9 mana, you get a 10-10. On top of that, if you cast it, it gets Ward 10. Dude, if it has Ward 10, no one is getting rid of it, dude, unless they have a board wipe. It's basically like an Eldrazi Titan, you know. Aside from the fact of you don't get a cast trigger, aside from the it gains the protection and haste thing, you know. And that's yeah. really only if it enters the battlefield and doesn't get countered but if it does enter the battlefield and you cast it you get a big ass thing that gets to doesn't have annihilator but it gets to destroy your freaking creature basically whenever it attacks and it's going to be extremely hard to get rid of and it's just going to keep attacking every turn like i think it is a pretty solid card for magic the gathering i don't necessarily I get, yeah. think it's like i think you're right wise for D D. I th I think yeah, I think my opinion is skewed because I look at this and I see the Tarrasque and I'm let down. Yeah. Now, if you were to just change the art, change the name to something else, yeah, and then show it to me, I'd be like, oh, that's neat. Yeah. You know what I mean? But looking at it as the Tarrasque, I'm like, fuck this. Like, everyone keeps comparing it to Galta. That's what I keep seeing. Is that okay. I mean, like, this is like Galta light. And I'm like... I don't necessarily think that, man. Like, I honestly think it's really easy to cast this. Nine mana is not hard to do. Like, even in mono black, like, there's plenty of colors that can easily generate nine mana pretty quickly, especially in green. Yeah. So, like, I don't, I don't know. know. This is definitely, like, my a salt. mid game. Yeah, this maybe is my a mid salt game will bottom. wear off, you know. I feel like you cast this mid game and then. People are going to have to try to use their tutors to find something to get rid of this because they're going to be scared. And then that's going to give you the time, you know, for another turn to just finish the game. But, bro, like, the fucking Owlbear card has Trample. And it's a 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> yeah. Come on, yeah. now. Uh, I will say, flavor-wise, Even they just make it the cast trigger. Game. Make it yeah. get Haste, Trample, Ward 10. I definitely think it should have Trample. It doesn't have Indestructible, like the Titans. It doesn't have Annihilator. Give it freaking Trample. I mean, come on. It's yeah. a 10-10. Huge, mega dinosaur, world-ending, D&D, badass. Yeah, it like... It should have Trample. Like, uh, Like, what? it destroys a creature as it's attacking and then says, Oh, I want some more? I'm gonna Trample over you, too. I think that'd be pretty... Yeah. Pretty flavor. Um... Yeah, so that'll be the my last thought on, on the Tarrasque. I would like it if it just wasn't the Tarrasque. You know, call it literally anything else. Um, so we got some spoilers for a bunch of manlands and a manland cycle, uh, which I believe are all going to be getting dope uh, modular borders, which is what I'm calling them. Um, so... What they did was they released a preview of a card called Den of the Bugbear, right? It is a 
land that taps for red, and if you control two or more other lands, then of the bugbear enters the battlefield tapped. So they're like fast lands almost. Um, if you're unfamiliar with what a fast land is, go Google it. Uh, it has tap at a red or three and a red. Until end of turn, Den of the Bugbear becomes a 3-2 red goblin creature with whenever this creature attacks, create a 1-1 red goblin creature token that's tapped and attacking. It is still a land. So, we have that. We have Hall of the Storm Giants, which is the blue uh, member of this cycle. It has for 5 and a blue. Until end of turn, it becomes a 7-7 blue giant creature with ward 3. Seven, creating a 7-7 seven, seven on the land. I think this is a finisher in a control deck. Yeah. Like, it has ward 3, so it's already got some self-protection. Um, now, it's not legendary, uh, so in, like, 60 card, you can have more than one of these. Uh, I think that's super interesting. Um, yeah, I'm definitely putting in my uh, Simic deck. Yeah. My Sea Creatures deck. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, easy. <laughs> And then we have Hive of the Eye Tyrant. Uh, so the Eye Tyrant is a three and a black. Until end of turn, Hive of the Eye Tyrant becomes a three, three black beholder creature with menace. And whenever this creature attacks, exile target card from defending player's graveyard. It's still a land. Now this is a rare cycle. Wasn't too huge on that, but I understand, you know, for limited and shit like that. But that's it seems pretty mana intensive to get the creatures. Now obviously, like I said, in a control finisher where you're trying to wheedle out the opponent's resources and beat them down using things you already have on the battlefield. Yeah. Then okay, sure. Uh, I think Den of the Bugbear could be a little more aggressively costed, maybe a two in a red instead of three in a red. I could definitely see that. Like being able to uh Swing with Den of the Bugbear the turn after it comes out, I think would be good flavor. Yeah. So you can have it can be your third land. And then on the fourth land drop, you are able to swing with it and make the goblin. I think that would that would be crisp, but they didn't think so. Hey man, I will say the hive of the the uh eye tyrant, the artwork is fucking sick. Which like, one? They're both cool. I mean the regular non- the non like uh D D. Yeah, where it look, Oh well each one of them looks like that. One, yeah, like, each one of the them. Cave, yeah. To where it like looks you like first a beholder. look at it and it's like, oh it's just a cave, but then you like pull it back a little bit away and you're like, Oh dude. dude. Oh that's a beholder. It's, it's a the beholder. same way with down the bugbear. You can see the bugbear's face and I think though there's like a giant's statue or something in the in Yeah, the, there the is a, the giant statue in there. Yep. Yeah. So those were the three of that cycle that we've got thus far, and hope to see more. Uh, we obviously will. It's a, it is a cycle, I believe. We got Minion of the Mighty. Now this is a spicy little nugget. Uh, so for one red, you get a zero one with Menace. Cobalt. Okay, it follows this the the trend of the old Cobalts having zero power. <laughs> Yeah. Which is pretty funny. Uh, but it has the new keyword, Pack Tactics. Whenever Minion of the Mighty attacks, if you attacked with creatures with total power 6 or greater this combat, you can put a dragon card from your hand into the battlefield, tapped and attacking. 
So that's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, I already saw a turn one kill in standard with this that I thought was pretty funny. What? You're so, going to have to explain that. <laughs> uh, sure. So two, uh, it's a turn two kill. Minion of the Mighty comes down on turn one. Turn two, uh, I'm trying to remember the actual name of the card, but it's a red instant buff spell that buffs it plus three, plus two. Okay? And you have two mana, so you cast two of those targeting Minion of the Mighty. It c counts itself when it attacks. It will have a power six. Yeah. And then there's a card from fucking, oh my god, what is it? Theros Beyond Death called Terror of Mount Velus. Oh, that yeah. when it enters the battlefield, creatures get double strike. So it will get double strike as a 6-6, six, and, six, and the minion gets it, so that's 24 damage. Yeah. Okay, wow. On turn two. All right. <laughs> pretty hey, funny. Though, that's flavor, though, too. Yeah, pretty pretty funny. Um, I like the spice. I Do I ever think that anyone would ever pull that off? I don't know, maybe one in 50 times. You I don't know. know, but I mean, look, the dragon's in the artwork, too. It's flying over, over top of it. Well, yeah, I mean, it summons the dragon. He's uh, you know, like, I'm coming in, Bellis. and now we have double strike. No one thought the kobolds would be this strong, but they are. <laughs> I just like to think of it as, like, one shitty kobold who's a zero one one gets, just gets jacked for one turn, you know, a becomes a, a six five or whatever and then and then just punches somebody <laughs> one to death. Um uh, yeah. yeah it was no, pretty neat. I like, I like that card too. I th I think that card's gonna is gonna probably pop up in quite a few different builds in EDH, yeah. you know. So yeah we got Sphere of Annihilation, which is a, an artifact with uh one black and X when Sphere of Annihilation enters the battlefield with X Void Counters on it. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile Sphere of Annihilation. All creatures and planeswalkers with mana value less than or equal to the number of Void Counters on it. And all creature and planeswalker cards in graveyards with mana value less than or equal to the number of Void Counters on it. This thing is insanely good. If you don't think so, I think you're wrong. Um, this hits tokens for one black. This hits uh, most things and a lot of good cards in EDH for less than four. Like, all creatures and planeswalkers with mana value less than or equal to the number of void counters. Up. Creature token deck, shitting in your mouth. Guess what? A zero sphere of annihilation keeps tokens off the board forever. Yeah. Because it doesn't exile itself. Oh yeah, it does. It exiles itself. But guess what? It still wipes the board. One-sided board wipes? Insanely strong. It just... Uh, I think this could be really cool. And it, it's ominous. It like If someone casts it, it sits there until their next upkeep. And you're like, oh, we have to destroy that. Yeah, I, I really like this. I'm like, man, I'm thinking like Glissa... You know, with Karn being able to just, like, get it back and just be able to, like, just keep using it. I don't know. I mean, things are dying all the time. You got this in there. It's, like, a huge threat. Like, everybody's going to see this thing and be like, oh, shit, we have to get rid of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I like the flavor. Sphere Annihilation, pretty cool. Uh, speaking of flavor, we got Purple Worm, which ironically is a green card. Uh, Purple Worm, it is a 7-drop. It is an 8-7 with Ward 2. 
this spell costs two less to cast if a creature died this turn. So it goes from a seven drop to a five drop if something died that turn. That's pretty nuts. Yeah. Five mana for an eight seven with ward two. I think that's really good. Yeah. Pretty pretty cool. For for uncommon slot, I mean, I think that's pretty good, dude. Eight seven ward two. That's gonna be hard to get rid of, and the, the fact that like shit dies a lot, especially yeah. in like, I mean, it doesn't matter what format. Removal is abundant, so like, yeah, five mana for an eight seven. Yep, it's it's interesting. Uh, one of the big spoilers we got uh, was Xanathar Guild Kingpin. So Xanathar is the uh, leader of the Xanathar Guild in Waterdeep, and he's like a super genius. And he's got a bajillion followers and all that shit. He is a four and uh, Demir, so a four, a black, and a, a blue. For a legendary creature, Beholder, five, six. At the beginning of your upkeep, choose target opponent. Until end of turn, that player can't cast spells. You may look at the top card of their library anytime. You may play the top card of their library, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast spells this way. You want to shit on a control player's life, uh, target them with Xanathar. Because they will not be able to respond to the things that you do, and you get to look at the top card of their library. And cast it if it's cool. Yeah. Fucking cast it. Even if it, even if you can't even really do anything cool with it, but it helps them out, just cast it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, or even like, don't or don't cast it. If it's just something trash... Yeah, then you that'd be yeah here you can have this trash right oh uh, you have that expropriate on top of your library let me go ahead and yeah cast well, that. let me cast that you know <laughs> let me do that that would be pretty pretty sick yeah no I, I really like this card too I mean the flavor is awesome it's a five six I mean the only gripe I have really is that it's a six mana but I, st I feel like it'd still be fair at five mana but six mana in commander as a commander for me six mana is like that's like the cutoff in non-green like, right yeah. it's non-green that's what makes it hard to get there we just talked about how nine mana is not a lot to green yeah but to you know blue black that's yeah, a lot it's hard to do yeah so like in my, like turgrid is five mana that's that's like already hard you know they counter your commander or kill it right when it comes out and it's like oh well you're gonna be waiting a while until you can cast it again so yeah but i still think the effect is super solid it's a really good card and it's definitely one of those cards where it's gonna be like when that comes out if you're a control player you better be countering it or praying that someone has removal immediately yeah uh n another iconic card we got was mimic so it is an artifact treasure, right, for two mana, it says, uh, tap and sacrifice Mimic, add one mana of any color. For two, Mimic becomes a shapeshifter artifact creature token with base power toughness 3-3. Three, three. It's a common, I think it's interesting, right, the fact that it can add one mana of any color, or if you draw it in the late game, can be a 
another creature, something to surprise your opponents when they're trying to remove your shit. Um, yeah. Plus, it's a mimic. The art is great. Uh, I think Scott Murphy did it. Yeah. Um, if you, it, whenever you see it, you'll you'll know it's a it's a treasure chest with a toothed mouth and this huge tongue that's like getting ready to go back to to chest mode uh, because there's an adventurer like looking at it from behind and if you know anything about mimics they will not move until you try and open them and then they eat you so that's yeah, pretty cool the artwork is on point and uh, I want to mention this card next because it's what mimic is mimicking so <laughs> yeah, the next ahead, card is treasure chest and it's a three colorless artifact that has for four colorless sacrifice treasure chest roll a d20 one trapped you lose three life so if you roll a one you know you crit fail you lose three life if you roll a two through nine on the d20 you create five treasure tokens if you roll 10 through 19 you gain three life and draw three cards and if you roll a 20 Search your library for a card. If it's an artifact card, you may put it on the battlefield. Otherwise, you put it into your hand, then shuffle. So, I mean, I really like the card. I, I think the two through nine creating the five treasure tokens is probably, like, pretty dope. And I'm definitely going to be happy if I hit that, like, any time, especially in any deck that token doubles or whatever. But, I mean, as for the artwork, the artwork's awesome. It's pretty much kind of like the mimic if you look at mimics artwork closely enough you can see the steps leading up to the treasure chest has all the same bones, bones the boots it looks just like a there. different angle yeah yep it looks like you're just kind of looking at the treasure chest from a different angle but um yeah and i really i'm really interested to see the rules on how this works like can i rings of bright earth and you know draw or roll two d20s and get both you yeah. know i don't know i have no idea i am interested to see i would hope that's how it works you know because it's pay for sack it get this effect yeah uh yeah seems like that would be that would be what would happen roll two but on a on a much different note we have now introduced rolling d20s into magic um, we're thinking about doing some some fun shit for our pre-release here at the Comics Vault, and uh, I'm interested to incorporate rolling d20s. I think if you're playing anything with Dungeons and Dragons, it's a flavor fail if you're not fucking rolling d20s all the time. Agree. Yeah. So, yeah, that's Treasure Chest. Now we've got up next. Um, if you're a fan of the R.A. Salvatore Drizzt novels, Icing Death, Frost Tyrant. Icing Death is the dragon that Drizzt and Wolfgar slay, and it's, to me, I think it's an interesting card. I don't know if I would say that it, you know, lives up to the Icing Death, you know, name, but, so... It is a four drop mono white, so two and two white for a dragon with flying and vigilance. It's a four three. When icing death frost tyrant dies, you create icing death frost tongue, a legendary white equipment artifact token with 
Equipped creature gets plus two plus O. Whenever equipped creature attacks, tap target creature defending player controls. They could have made it way cooler. I agree. Like, whenever equipped creature attacks, tap target creature they control. Stupid. I. Mm. Yeah, being one of the books I actually have read, I was actually like, you know, that is pretty disappointing. Because that was an epic battle. Oh, and dude, like, 100%. I mean, I feel like, yeah, they it just kind of, I don't know, just doesn't seem on flavor-wise. Like, it should have just been better. I would be fine with the dragon, like, having some more, like, abilities or... Or not having that ability, like the death ability, to create icing death and frost tongue. Um, I would be even better if it was like, um, if it was enter the battlefield, uh, tap all creatures you, your opponents control, they do not untap during their next untap step. That's frost breath, or that's, you know, yeah. ice breath. Yeah. You know, you tap everybody, they don't untap for four mana. It's a 4-3 with Flying Vigilance. You're not breaking anything. If it's tap everything, they don't untap. I, th- I think that would have been really cool. Or give the Frost Tongue better stats. Maybe plus 2, plus 2. Because it does, like in the books, uh, it protects Drist against uh, heat. Right? Like, he doesn't feel the Devil's Fire as, as greatly because he's holding Icing Death. Yeah... I, yeah, I, I think they dropped the ball on this one. I mean, two colorless, two white for a flying vigilant four three. I mean, that's pretty. That's like basic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For a lot of rares in Magic history, that's basic. I mean, seriously, you can get five mana vigilance double strike four threes that have ETB search your library for something like so. I feel in that that's at a rare slot, and this is a mythic. That's a 4-3 with Flying Vigilance for 4 mana. Eh. I, I definitely think that the second ability, the actual ability on Icing Death should have been better. Like like you said, even just an Icy Blast, you know? ETB, tap everything down, they're froze for, you know, a whole cycle. That, to yeah. me, would be better than getting the artifact tongue. But I already knew that, you know, there were going to be some cards in the set that I was going to be like, they're never going to live up to my expectations regardless. Like, the Tarrasque, I don't even know what you would design the Tarrasque to do other than what it does right now to make me happy to call it the Tarrasque. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just, I I don't know if I would ever be happy. But, uh, moving on, we have Flame Skull, which is a pretty classic enemy in D&D. Now, it's a mythic. Uh, is a red creature, one and two red for a skeleton with flying that cannot block. Now the spice on this is its ability. When Flame Skull dies, exile it. If you do, exile the top card of your library, and until the end of your next turn, you may play one of those cards. If you cast Flame Skull this way, you can't play the other card, and vice versa. So it's it's like a lich, you know. It dies and comes back, and dies and comes back. And it has flying, and it's a 3-1. I think this is really annoying. You know, especially if you're trying to dig for a win or something like that. 
This this exiles the top of your library until you find what you're looking for. Um, and it just never goes away. You always have an option to to bring it back, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I didn't notice that second part there. I, I do like that. Yeah, it's it's spicy. I think the ability is balanced that you're not allowed to cast both uh, or play both uh, cards that you exile with rejuvenation. I think that's a, an interesting, interesting thing. Um, yeah, that seems like it's it's going to be fun. Uh, they also came out with a style of card. Now, this isn't necessarily a, a new card or a new template or anything like that, but a situation card. Now this is they're they're phrased by a lot of the ways that DMs, uh, dungeon masters will present situations and allow player characters to deal with them. So for example, we have the blue instant. You see a guard approach. You can choose one uh, for one mana, for one blue mana. You can do one of these things. You can distract the guard, which is tap target creature, or hide. Target creature you control gains hexproof until end of turn. You know, I, I think that's cool as fuck. Just the way that it's templated, the name, I think, is cool. There's also, there's a lot of other ones that have come out. You know, you come to a river. You can choose to fight the current, which is return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Or find a crossing. Target creature gets neg one plus zero, or plus one plus zero until end of turn, and can't be blocked this turn. Yeah. I it, like the flavor. I mean, it's cool. It's cool as fuck. You see a pair of goblins, choose one, charge them, creatures you control get plus two, plus oh until the end of turn, or befriend them, create two red goblin creature tokens. I, th I think the flavor is awesome. I really do like the way the, that that's templated. When I very first seen that earlier today, I was like, oh, dude, that's really awesome that it's like asking you a question. What are you going to do? And you're getting to choose one. I really like that. I thought it was I thought it was really cool. And I'm just like, it's just kind of funny that they never actually did that before. Yeah. It's just such a cool it's, thing. and just seems... It's just interesting. Yeah. The way that it's templated and, you know... I, I'm really into that as a way that they're going to go forward in this set with situations. So the one of the the legendary things that are pretty sweet is the Black Staff of Waterdeep. I don't think this is going to be huge splash in um, you know commander, so to speak. Maybe in like a like a really staxy or a really controlly deck where you're um, trying to wake the other person out and beating them with resources, kind of like that temple. Uh, so, it is a one-drop legendary artifact. It is a blue, a uh, single blue to cast. You may choose not to untap the Black Staff of Waterdeep during your untap step. And it has animate walking statue. So for one in a blue, you can tap. Another target non-token artifact you control becomes a 4-4 artifact creature for as long as the Black Staff of Waterdeep remains tapped. Activate only as a sorcery. Um, yeah, I think this will be much more of a standard or a modern thing. Um, 
but I I don't so Kelvin Blackstaff that is the Blackstaff and hopefully uh, we get a Kelvin Blackstaff that would be pretty sweet but if he's Kelvin Blackstaff and he doesn't have his fucking staff that's gonna be dumb <laughs> as hell you know what I mean yeah like I don't know it it just very interesting little uh, little nugget of artifact interest. Um, they also got the uh, Intellect Devourer, which is an, a really neat one-drop black card. Target opponent discards a card. If mana from a treasure was spent to cast the spell, instead that player reveals their hand and you choose a non-land card from it, and they dis discard that card. Um, yeah, treasures are becoming more and more pervasive in EDH, so... I think there's going to be a lot of times where you're going to be able to cast this with a treasure and just strip something out of somebody's hand. Uh, the art is sick. Uh, is. That is the creature known as an intellect devourer, which is literally a brain with arms and legs. Uh, little, like, uh, like dog arms, and, or, you know, dog legs. It, it's pretty cool. I... And then there's one of my favorite flashy, splashy D&D uh, &D monsters that we all knew was coming, if you were into D&D &D at all. The Gelatinous Cube. So for four mana, two and two black, it is a 4-3 ooze that has two abilities. One is Engulf. When Gelatinous Cube enters the battlefield, exile target non-ooze creature and opponent controls until it leaves the battlefield. Dissolve is the other one. It has X and a black. Put target creature card with mana value X exiled with Gelatinous Cube into its owner's graveyard. Great flavor. Holy shit. It comes in, it engulfs a creature, and then eats it. Yeah. It just dissolves the creature into nothingness. Sends it to the grave. I thought that was so fucking cool. Yeah, I do think that this card is freaking awesome. It is, like, out of all the cards I've seen, I really like it a lot. Maybe it's not the strongest card or whatever in Command or anything like that, but flavor-wise and just, like, cards that I think are cool, I think it's awesome, dude. Four mana, which is apparently what Wizards has deemed black spells to have to cost if they exile something. So you get to exile, it's basically like exiling it under it or whatever. But, but you dude, also have a 4-3. Dude, gelatinous cube. It's a four-sided thing. It's toss four. That's okay. Gelatinous cube. Well, all the exile effects in black cost freaking four. But yeah, okay. Four-sided cube, cost four, has a power of four. Makes sense. Flavor, awesome. Definitely. I really like this card. Like Yeah. Yeah, the... I was super stoked when I saw it. I was like, you know what? That's perfect. I love it. Don't change a thing. It's great. The artwork's sick. Yep. The dude's like half in the ooze. Like, oh! You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we also got our uh, our our first Illithid, which is Grazalax. Illithid Scholar. Mono Blue. That was not what I was expecting for Mind Flayers. No, me either. If you're unfamiliar no, with thinking. an Illithid. I was thinking Demir. Yeah. But. So it, uh, they've typed the Illithids as a horror creature type. It is a legendary creature with 
Whenever a creature you control becomes blocked, you may return it to its owner's hand. Whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, draw a card. 3-2. Uh, its flavor text is pretty great. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with the Mind Flayer slash Illithid, uh, they eat people's brains. Uh, they hit you with this psychic blast that incapacitates you, and then they give your skull the munch. Uh, if they're not doing that, what they're doing is they're they're pretty much tying you down and putting this little tiny tadpole into your eyeball or your nose or your ear or your mouth and it will go into your brain case and eat your whole brain and uh, it will replace your brain and be you will become a mind flayer so that's how mind flayers reproduce seromorphism uh, I mean, honestly, I, I I think that the creature type horror is pretty decent. Oh, 100%. Like, you know, yeah, it's definitely a catch-all. You know, reading through some of the books, I was like, this is horrific. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. And I, I think this is an interesting commander, especially with... It has, like, the reconnaissance style. Like, whenever a creature you control becomes blocked, you may return it to its owner's hand. Yeah. Like, you could... Just pack this full, this mono blue full of uh, things that enter the battlefield and do something. Yeah. And then you can just swing out with no problem. Because, sure, if they block it, you put it back in your hand. You get to reuse the effect. If they don't yeah. block it, well, then, you know, <laughs> yeah. they don't want you to get the thing. Then they're going to take the damage. If they take the damage, you draw a card. I, I like the I like the thing. I, I really like this blue card, too. I'm, I'm not generally a blue uh, player, but... I really like any type of like blue cards that reward you for attacking, and that's yeah. what this does. Yeah, definitely. It I says attack, be aggro, you get a benefit from yep. it. I like it. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if I would consider this as a a general, but definitely in the ninety nine of maybe like an Edric or something where you're you are a blue aggro deck. Uh, it's it's definitely it's definitely interesting. Yeah, maybe even in uh, Eureka. Yeah, Yuriko, you know, 100%. Bounce, bounce those ETP ninjas right back into your hand if they try to block them or something like and that. And then considering that something is still blocked or unblocked based on you know state-based effects, this can trigger, and you can still ninjutsu things in. Yeah. You know. It's pretty, pretty decent, that. So. so that would be interesting. Uh, the next, next card that I'm going to go over is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, 50 feet of rope the artifact dude I was like I saw that and I was like if I would have wanted a preview card from this set it would have been 50 feet of rope <laughs> do you know how good 50 feet of rope is if you have never played Dungeons and Dragons before you're like oh man somebody's got rope right I don't know do you have the right pack do you have your 50 feet of rope you better fucking hope you do because you're going to use it you know no it shows a grappling hook in the art. That's for that's for bougie ass bitches, you know. Usually we just have we just got a rope, rope. and that's what we got, you know. Ain't no, Tie the end into a knot. Ain't no fancy grappling hooks and shit on this. Uh, so for one mana, uh, it is a an artifact that says you have three options. You can either climb over, which is tap and target wall can't block this turn, so pretty shit. Tie up, which is three and tap. Target creature doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. 
or rappel down, which is my, this is my favorite one, four tap venture into the dungeon. So it's sick. It's like you, you, you use your rope to rappel into the dungeon. That's fucking awesome. And then you can keep doing it to like get further into the dungeon. Yeah. The flavor is definitely on point on this one for sure. Definitely. I mean, I mean, outside of this set specifically, the first effect, like you said, is trash. But the tie-up effect is is pretty decent. I mean, just being able to tap things down to where they don't untap and and it not be like an instant or sorcery spell that you're using to do that, but a yeah. recurrable thing you can use, I think is like pretty decent. So. I don't know. I think the card's pretty sweet. Especially the fact that it's just a one drop. Yeah, I the mean, fact that it's one man, I think, is what sells it to me. I'm like, hey, in Urza. In Urza. Would you always, run this in Urza? It's always a one mana, just taps for a mana. Or I can uh, pay three and tap down somebody's uh, infinite mana tapper and be like, oh, well, it ain't untapping on your next untap step. But like, unless, like, you know, you are going infinite. You know, I don't know. I, I think, like, maybe there's some utility. To you it. should test it. Yeah. You should test it in your Urza. Yeah. Uh, we, next, we have the Orb of Dragonkind. Now, the Orb of Dragonkind is an artifact-level magic item in D&D. And now, it is a rare. Uh, it is a red-coated artifact, so it's one in a red for tap one and tap to add two mana of any combination of colors. Spend this mana only to cast dragon spells or activate abilities of dragons. And then, red and tap, sacrifice orb of dragon kind. Look at the top seven cards of your library. You may reveal a dragon card from among them and put it in your hand. Put the rest on the bottom in a random order. Um, I think this is an auto-include for dragon decks. Ur-dragon, Siren of the Ur-dragon, you know, uh, Karathus, Tyrant of Jund. Like anything where you're going to be... Anything that ramps you into dragons is good, and then anything that can find a dragon, put it in your hand, pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely an include. It's nothing special to me, but that's because I'm not a, a huge dragon Timmy. I don't really care about them. Yeah, I mean, uh, me either really, but I have played some dragon decks in the past, and obviously, yes, if you're playing Dragon Tribal, yep. this goes in your deck. Uh, next up, we have Werewolf Pack Leader. So for two green, uh, you get a human werewolf. Strange typing on that. Um, for the art, at least. It's got... It's really... The art is really strange. It is like a half werewolf, half person. Um, so you get a 3-3 three, three with pack tactics. Whenever it attacks, if you attack with... Uh, creatures total power six or greater this combat draw a card and you can pay four so you can pay three and a green to until end of turn werewolf pack leader has base power and toughness five three and gains trample and isn't a human that's strange um the removal of the typing like human type yeah i thought that was weird too like so Maybe you're there's going to be forming into a werewolf, but for some reason you're like no longer a human. Like, I don't I know. Would... Maybe there's something that that specifically in this set has yet to be spoiled with that deals with humans or monsters yeah. or like something like that. 
That's the only thing I could think of, too, as to why they would put that. When I seen this earlier, I thought the same thing. I was like, it's kind of weird that they, like, specified that it's not a human. Yeah. Yep. And then we have a another thing near and dear to my heart. The Book of Vile Darkness. Uh, in D&D, the Book of Vile Darkness is something that holds the most horrific and... Uh, taboo spells ever created and if you're not evil when you pick it up you take damage like it actively tries to fucking kill you if you are not evil aligned so it is a three drop legendary artifact that says at the beginning of your end step if you lost two or more life this turn create a 2-2 black zombie creature token it also has an activated ability that says tap Exile Book of Vile Darkness and artifacts you control named Eye of Vecna and Hand of Vecna. Create Vecna, a legendary 8-8 black zombie god creature token with indestructible. It gains all triggered abilities of the exiled cards. Now, we don't know what those other cards are right now. We don't know what the Eye and the Hand of Vecna both do and what their triggered abilities are. But dude, you get to create Vecna. That's awesome. Like, Vecna is a legendary uh, uh, lich in Dungeons and Dragons. And, like, the amount of adventures that have you fighting Vecna or fighting his minions or stopping him from being resurrected are just insanely long. There's just a lot of content about Vecna in D&D, and I'm glad that he made it into this, this set. I feel like it's almost like the uh, Cauldra, the original Cauldra from Mirrodin. Like, if you put these three together, you create this thing, you know, where it's kind of yeah. like, if you exile these three cards, you get this Yep. ultra badass card. But yeah, I, I like the flavor on this one too. Like, I think it's actually pretty decent. I mean, for just three black, if you're playing mono black, like, obviously, you probably would be if you put this in there. But, I mean, there's plenty of turns where you're losing two life every single turn. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. whether it's a Phyrexian arena on board. D- and did you shock yourself yeah. with a with a land? Yeah. Or are you, not in mono are you black? necropotence? You know, Oof, whatever. Yeah, you know, you're good. always going to just be getting that zombie token. Like, for three mana to get a zombie token, if you get a zombie token three turns in a row. For three mana, just that alone, in my opinion, it's pretty decent. You get oh, it. yeah. I believe it. So, I mean. Um, so we have the... We're getting a dragons cycle, apparently. Uh, in the Dungeons and Dragons set. Uh, but these are uncommon dragons. So we have a seven drop black dragon... 4-4 flying that has acid breath. Whenever Black Dragon enters the battlefield, target creature and opponent controls gets neg three, neg three until end of turn. All right, that's Ooh. pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty straightforward. It's for an uncommon. And then we have Green Dragon for six, for four and two green. We have a 4-4 flyer that when it enters the battlefield until end of turn, whenever a creature and opponent controls is dealt damage, destroy it. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so disappointed in both of these. I'm like, come on, dude. We should have just got... I've talked about this a few months ago. Dude, that should have just been poison. 
Should it be poison or infect? Come on. Give us the whole acid breath thing. That should be like a infecty type thing. No. Yeah, dude. Bring back infect and poison. Or at least give these things freaking flash. Like, if we're getting away from the infecting and my, you know, tangent or whatever. But for, for six and seven mana, you get flying four force. They should have flash. They have these cool ETB effects, but like, really though, are like, is it really going to do that much if like your opponent knows that that's coming? Like, they can just. But you play can force it. them to block. Sure. You know, I like mean, there are cards can. in green that force blocking and things like that. I just think it's like underwhelming. Oh, it, it's definitely going to be underwhelming, but they're non-named dragons, just random ass but dragons. The, but the artworks are so cool. They look so badass. I'm like, dude, you should just be able to flash these in and just just spew acid all over your opponent's creatures and just wipe them all out and then just <laughs> you know laugh in their face. It, and it's strange because these are these are the uncommons, but we have adult gold dragon, which is a five drop, at rare. So three and red and white, we get a four three with flying a lifelink and haste, for a rare slot. That was interesting. I was like, um, don't know how I feel about that. I'll have to see if there are is adult silver dragon and adult you know X this and adult that. We'll see what if it's a cycle or what's going on. Maybe there's an adult green dragon and an adult black dragon. No, because the that has no because the adult gold dragon is a metallic dragon, and the chromatic dragons are getting their cycle at uncommon. Okay. That, Fair enough. That's my. That's what I think, at least. Okay. Um, but as far as cool dragons go, we get a an interesting zombie dragon called Ebon Death Draco Lich. It's a four drop for two and two black with flash and flying. Two great keywords. Enters the battlefield tapped. And you may cast Abundeth Draco Lich from your graveyard if a creature not named Abundeth Draco Lich died this turn. So, this is one hard fuck to get rid of. Yeah, that's true. Sure, he definitely a, just keeps coming back. And he's a 5 2. Five power on a dude with flash and flying. You know, he's got his own evasion. He gets he comes back from the graveyard. Someone kills something on somebody else's turn, you can flash this in tapped and then on taps on your on your turn and you can you can go to beats. Yeah. I mean I do like it. I think it is very hard to get rid of and I mean there's plenty of times in when you're playing that you just have four black mana chilling. You know, and then something dies, and then it's like, oh, what am I going to do until my next turn? Oh, well, something died. I'm going to bring this guy right back to the battlefield. Yeah, and, you know, I feel like it feels way less bad if your spells are getting countered. You know, if, if they counter even death, then, well, um, you can just let it go to the graveyard and wait for a death trigger. Yeah, you just hold all your mana up, and then on the player right before yours turn, you just go, okay, I'm going to two mana kill your dude at instant speed and then spend four mana and flash my dude back and then untap it on my turn and attack you. Yeah. it, it I, I think it's pretty cool. It's going to... 
I, I I like the deck. You know, I feel like it could be a fun commander to do like mono black beats. With a five with a five power, it's doable. Yeah, I think he's pretty easily buffed up to like quickly being lethal. Yeah. For sure. Um Another, we have another uh, one of the situation cards, which is you find the villain's lair. So for one and two blue, you choose one. You either foil their scheme and counter target spell, or you learn their secrets. You draw two, discard two. I like that. I yeah. like that in the uh, in the art, the wizard or sorcerer is like looking through their books. I'm guessing this is the wizard because wizards like reading and sh- books and shit and uh, the <laughs> the flavor text is give me a, give me just a moment I almost have it they're just like trying to figure out what cool spells they can cast from this or some other shit uh, you read the uh, Ocker Jelly right uh, yeah it is uh, X and a green and then I believe it is uh was it trample and then it enters a battlefield with x plus one counters on it and then whenever it dies i believe you create a token that has half as many plus one counters as what it originally had on it yeah yep well that's pretty much what ocker jellies do in the game you they can separate into other oozes which is neat so yeah any of the uh last uh strixhaven you know, Simic style plus one counters. The Quandrix, my bad. The Quandrix style plus one counters yeah. and doubling token things. Like, obviously, that's a pretty good card for that. You know? Yeah, definitely. And the fact that it's one green and X. It's not like green, 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 X. Yeah. This could easily go into a Golgari deck where you're trying to, you know, you, you're trying to recycle creatures and get as much value out of their death as possible. And this thing keeps creating and creating as long as... It has more than two. Yeah, and the fact that it has trample on it too, so like all the tokens, no, like no matter what, it always has trample. That's just good. Yeah. Then uh, we got uh, Inspiring Bard, which I like because it has Bardic Inspiration on it. It literally says Bardic Inspiration. Uh, target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn, or you gain three life with Song of Rest. Um, it's just a common, but it has Bardic Inspiration on written on the card, so I, I automatically like it. Bard is my favorite class. Um, a lot of people shit on bards, but uh, they're they're pretty fun. So there is Battle Cry Goblin. So for one in a red, it's an uncommon two two goblin that says. For one and one red, goblins you control get plus one plus zero oh and gain haste until end of turn. Whenever Battlecry Goblin attacks, if you attacked with creatures total power six or greater this combat, create a one one red goblin creature token that's tapped and attacking. I like this. It's going to be fun and limited because you could make him big enough to trigger his own pack tactics and then get free goblins, essentially. I hate this card. What? Why? Yeah, like, I... I personally just hate this card because I don't like goblins. Oh, I don't like oh you're, you're a speciesist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't like goblins. I'm already like awesome. A freaking two mana, two, two goblin that has all your other freaking goblins get plus one, plus zero in haste. Well, actually, no, all goblins, including itself. I just don't like it. 
goblins already have enough just weird loopy combo-y oh type God. just super haste art my deck goes off crazy with goblins it's just like oh god uh, now there's another goblin i have to worry about when i'm going up against freaking grenzo or going up against Cranko. like it's just another goblin i have to how there's only so many removal spells i can't like remove every goblin there's just so many good <laughs> goblins it's like I don't know. The, the goblins just always have... They've always gotten to me for some yeah. reason. I don't know why. So, uh, for the last card we're going to talk about, we got white. Uh, that is not the color. It is actually a black card. Uh, oh, shit. So, I let me, let me break off. I just hit refresh on the Mythic Spoilers, and we got... Six more spoilers in the amount of time we've been talking. So, we will just uh, we'll continue to keep going. Okay. So, yeah, six more spoilers since we started talking, which is interesting. So, white. It is a black zombie soldier, 3-2 for uh, one and a black, that enters the battlefield tapped and has the life drain ability. Whenever a creature dealt damage by white this turn dies... Create a tapped 2-2 black zombie creature token and exile that card. So it exiles whatever you kill with it, and you get a 2-2 zombie. That seems pretty good. Uh, yeah. That's how life drain works, too, in, uh, in D&D. Yeah, that's it's basically uh, what's-his-face. Whenever a creature or opponent controls dies, exile and create a 2-2 zombie. Uh, I can't think of its name right now. Legendary Vampire... Uh, I can't think of it. But kind of like the same thing. Yeah. Holy sh... One of the spoilers is the spell Wish. Hmm. Holy fuck. So, sorcery for two and a red. You may play a card you own from outside the game this turn. Wow. Okay, well, I mean, outside the game. And Commander... That's not that great. But, that in the other format... It's just cool. I, I like the flavor. <laughs> and I just read the I read the the flavor text and I thought thought it was the beginning to fucking lose yourself by Eminem. It's like if you had just one wish, what would it be? <laughs> Mom spaghetti or some gold? <laughs> no, if you had one wish, what would it be? Gold or angel song? Finding a lost love or finding your way back home? Let me sing a song about one wish that came true. Ellie Wick Tumblestrum. I like that. I like, I think it's interesting. I know we won't get sideboards in in, uh, in this shit, but oh well, I'll live. Um, but we got the, there is a Beholder that was released to match the art that spoiled a long time ago. Baleful Beholder. It is four and two black. When it enters the battlefield, choose one. Anti-magic cone, each opponent sacks an enchantment, or fear ray. Creatures you control gain menace until end of turn. It is a 6-5. Um, I mean, it's, that, a, it's common. That's only the second mono black spell that gets rid of enchantments, though. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's the thing. If you're playing mono black, I mean, especially if you're, you know, recursion, I think that's decent. Being able to make everyone sack an enchantment, I mean, you 
don't really have many other options aside from feed the swarm. So. Yeah. And it's a six-five body, which isn't bad. No. And uh, so we got some more venture into the dungeon shit. We have Ranger's Hawk for one white. It has a flying one-one. And for three and tap, you can tap another untapped creature you control, venture into the dungeon. Activate only these as a sorcery. So I like that. Um, then there's Intrepid Outlander. So for one and a green, it has a 2-3 with Reach Orc Ranger with pack tactics. When Intrepid Outlander attacks, if you attack with creatures total power 6 or greater, this combat, venture into the dungeon. So... I, you know, more more venturing into more dungeons. I'm going to definitely be trying to do that while we're, uh, you know, playing in the pre-release. Um, and then we have Dragon Turtle. So for one and two blue, you get a 3-5 with Flash that has the ability Drag Below. When Dragon Turtle enters the battlefield, tap it, and up to one target creature an opponent controls... They don't untap during their controller's next untap steps. I like that. Now, the Dragon Turtle itself, way stronger than a 3-5. It's like a CR, like, I don't know, I think 15 encounter or something. But uh, I do, that's Dragon Turtles eat boats. They're, that's what they do. So the art is actually a uh, Dragon Turtle coming out of the water, breaking the waves, and and... Gonna, looks like it's gonna munch on this boat, but it's a it's a three drop with flash that taps a thing and it doesn't untap. So, to me, I see Dragon Turtle coming out of the sea and tapping down a Blight Steel. You know. Yeah. That's what I see. Oh, definitely. Us. It's like, oh, your Blight I mean, Steel. Oh, you're moving to combat with a Blight Steel before you do. Let me flash home me in there and tap that down. And now we have two turns to remove it. Yeah, and and blue already has a lot of effects that are one and two blue that are essentially, I think they're all enchantments usually, that are just, you know, tap it, it doesn't untap. Yeah. Or something like that. Icing but, things down, yep. Yep. But, uh... Yeah, I I think it's interesting. I'm definitely I just want to see more. Like I'm now I've got the fucking, you know, the hit in my veins. <laughs> I need more spoilers. Give them to me wizards. Um one one that I I missed a little earlier uh that I did want to talk about was a mono green elf druid called Circle of Dreams Druid. So for 3 green, you get a 2/1 elf that taps for a green for each creature you control. That's a guy's cradle. Yep. It's on a creature, but it's a guy's cradle. It's a guy's cradle on a dude. Uh, this is just another infinite mana piece if you're running, you know, an appropriate amount of creatures and you're sort of the parents, your umbral mantle, you're this, that, and the other thing. There's always ways to untap things with mana. Yeah. Um... Now, in the, you know, downside, it will always just tap for one, unlike Guy's Cradle, which can tap for nothing. Yeah. You know, Guy's Cradle has the downside of if there are no creatures, then it tap, then it's shit. It's garbage. You know, but get two creatures, god tier land. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I really, I think this this card is really good. I mean, I'm really glad, though. That they made it three green. 
Yeah, know? this is a green card. Yeah. It's going to be going in green decks, and otherwise you're going to have a hard time casting it. Yep. And that's what I always say about all these white cards that they come out with, that they for some reason only make one white blip. It's just like, dude, make it three white so that only white uses it. And then they show here they can do that. They know that the card is going to be good. They make it only good in one specific color. That's yep, the way that's they fine. Need to do I'm white stuff with. Perfectly fine with that. Like I would, I would personally love to see a cycle of, of this. I'd love to see three white tap target tap the creature, add white to your mana pool for each enchantment you control. Right. I would love to see that. You know what is that? Sarah Sanctum. Sarah Sanctum. Yeah. Yep. I would love to see Get that. Get a Talarian Academy too. on the dude. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey, maybe they will. Maybe they will come out with that yet. Where you've yet yeah, to we see have the rest no of the idea. spoilers. So. That would be cool if they did that. That would be. You know, give them cool names. Yeah. Like, the Artificer, you know, would be the Talarian Academy. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I'm, I definitely enjoy that card, and I think it's just another piece of infinite mana. Or, if you're just trying to have a good old time, throw it in your elf deck. It's always going to be good. <laughs> yeah. It's always going to tap for a bunch of shit. You're going to shout out a bunch of elves, right. which is what you want to do anyway. What, Elf Drossy? There you go. Yeah. Crap out five elves and then tap it for five mana and then have five mana and cast your freaking Ulamog. Yep. Yeah. So definitely going to be on top of these spoilers as far as I'm concerned. I cannot wait to see the rest of the set. I am still super stoked. Um... The tournament that we're running for our pre-release is very interesting. So we're going to be doing adventure, uh, adventures in the, the, the comics vault, essentially, where <laughs> you're going to bring a deck and you're going to pair up randomly with two other people and that's going to be your adventuring party. And then games will be uh, the format Emperor. Uh, so if you're not familiar with Emperor... Uh, you'd have two uh, emperors, which sit across from each other in the middle of the table. And then on each side of you, you have your generals, right? Is that what they're called? Yeah. And so I, I'm super unfamiliar with, like, the minutia rules. But it's like the emperor can give resources to the people on the outside. And no one can attack the emperor until the generals are dead, right, from one side or another. Yeah. And it yeah. does go positionally, so like if the general on your right dies, only the opponent that was sitting in front of that general can attack you. Correct, yeah. Right? Um, it's just a very interesting format, and when you win, when your team wins that game of Emperor, then you get the chance to go to the boss room, where there's going to be a two-headed giant-style arch-enemy, uh, you know, people. Right? Is that is, is that what I is it is it two headed giant? I don't know. I think it was. Some, I think he was saying uh, that it was going to be uh, arch enemy, where it was just arch be, enemy. Yeah, just, just a one. regular arch so, enemy. So one boss you're a boss monster versus three. Yeah, there's going to be. You get to go to the the boss room and you you fight an arch enemy, and that's your the end of the dungeon. You know, you you fought through and we're trying to think of little quirks and quips to make sure the fun that it's fun and everybody's rolling d20s and having a great time 
and uh, can't wait for that personally. We'll give you more details about it as it as it comes up, as like how our rule set is going to work and and things like that. But super excited to do it. I think Dungeons and Dragons and Magic has needed to happen for a while. So I, as previously stated, am going to be ecstatic. Heck yeah! <laughs> but um, uh, so the thing that you've all been waiting for for approximately uh, an hour and twenty four minutes. Rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> the winner of the giveaway. The winner of the giveaway is the assless chap. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, pretty great name. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, the assless chap. Hey, congratulations. Yep. Uh, you know, go ahead and uh, send, us, yeah. send us a direct message, or I'll send you one here in the next, uh, you know, 30 minutes or so. And, yeah, well, Congrats. we'll get you shipping information and get that sent out to you as soon as possible. Yep, so. we, yeah, we got one. It's a draft booster. Yep. Draft booster box of Modern Horizons too. Hot damn. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely good luck on those pulls. Hopefully you pull some super spicy stuff. And when you do when you do pull some super fire, tag us. I want to see it. I want to know that we did you right, you know? Straight up. Or if you if you pull shit, tag us anyway and yell at us. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that punishment. It's, yeah. it's, it's easy enough. I um, want to thank Neil once again for uh, furnishing this giveaway. The, the, the Comics Vault is is always willing to help us and and give us product so that so that we can treat you guys uh, our listeners to the best giveaways uh you know in the podcast game yeah definitely if if any of the listeners are ever coming through pennsylvania and you're going by car or whatever and you're in central pennsylvania stop here in altoona come into the comics vault and check the place out Yes, yeah. deals around. Yeah, and if, sure. if you DM us, you know, we could probably even get some games in or something Definitely. like that. We're, I'm down to play whenever, wherever, with whoever. So, uh, yeah, once again, thanks everybody for hanging with us through that really big spoiler chunk and listening to all our, uh, our listen to me bitch about <laughs> uh, things that I wish had happened and, and my wishes for things that are going to happen. But, uh, like I said, once again, Thanks for joining us here on the Commander's Vault. I'm JB. And I'm Dale. And you have a magical evening.